0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our broadcast. My name is Jacob Ayer, and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, and both Byron and Alan Wang on the grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. Welcome back to everyone in the studio and everyone listening. The holidays are over. It's a new semester here at UBC. It's a new year and even decade the Thunderbirds are also back into action as basketball split a road series in Fraser Valley on both the men's and women's sides. Meanwhile, hockey got a clean sweep against our collective nemesis in multiple sports, <laughs> the Calgary Dinos. We'd also like to, um, we will actually be previewing what's in store for volleyball and some other spring sports, but I guess addressing the elephant in the room, yes, this is a new time. We are now going to be uh, broadcasting our show Tuesdays from one to 1.30 p.m., sometimes a bit longer for those extra juicy episodes, (laughs) and we'd also like to introduce some new voices to the show. Byron and Alan Wang will also have Maddie Penn becoming a more regular member. Welcome to the show, guys. Round of applause for you. Anything you'd like to say about yourselves? Uh,
1: Nothing much to say. I'm a first-year science student. I used to be a swimmer, and I'm just happy to be here, ready to try this out.
0: And Byron, anything from you?
1: All right. Hello, hello. As Jacob mentioned, I'm the alpha twin, Byron Wang. <laughs> and I look I look forward to uh, speaking on behalf of CITR Sports. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking on air. So please bear with me. This is my first time. But, yeah, I'm really excited.
0: Great. And both Alan and Byron have some experience in swimming. So we're hoping, hoping that maybe we can get some swimming interviews down the road. But it's a pleasure to have you guys on air. They'll be chipping in throughout the episode. But let's get down to business. Basketball was back in action this weekend, and it was not as great of a result as maybe we thought.
2: Yeah, somewhat of a shaky start to the new year for both our basketball teams, especially considering both of them came in to the new year on decent win streaks and they both split their road series against fraser valley the men's team blew game one open in the second half holding ufv to just 22 points in the final 20 minutes they won that one 80 to 63 men Root claire led the way with 18 points as all five starters scored In double figures,
0: and that actually includes Taylor Brown, as he started both games this weekend in place of Grant Audu, who did not play. He recorded ten points and five rebounds, that being Brown in his first start of the season.
3: Yeah, somewhat paradoxically, you wouldn't expect this. It was Jaden Cohey who led the team in rebounds; he had eight. And Grant Shepard, who led the team in assists with four. Shepard even hit two threes, his first career multi-three-point game. So new year, (laughs) new players for our basketball team.
0: And that might speak to the missing Borsier, maybe trying to fill in different roles for a role that he principally used to lead, that being assists. So some new players chipping in in different ways for them.
4: Right, primary playmaker there. Um, Looking at Zach Moore, he had a great stat line as well. He added 12 points, seven rebounds, three steals, while the UBC bench combined for just 11 points.
1: Yeah, and this win also meant that coach Kevin Hansen tied the all-time Canada West regular season wins record with
2: 313 victories. He tied a former coach of the Alberta Golden Pandas with that 313th victory. Unfortunately, Hansen was unable to break that record the next night as the Thunderbirds' 7-game win streak was snapped in an 84-82 very close loss. Again, all five starters scored in double figures. And again, the bench was unable to provide much offense, combining for just 12 points.
0: Manroop, Clare led the way again in this one with 17 points. Meanwhile, Brown and Moore each scored 14. Cowie and Shepard did struggle from the field. They combined for 25 points, uh, but they did go just 7 of 23 shooting.
3: Yeah, and some of those struggles extended beyond the arc as well. Just 28% from three, and only the third time this season they've shot below 35% in that category. Brown was
4: four of eight from deep, but the rest of the team was a collective four for 20. And it just keeps on getting worse for UBC. They grabbed just 37 rebounds, their second lowest total this season, and had a season-low 25 defensive rebounds. UFE had 45 rebounds, 12 of them on the offensive class.
1: And then next up is Trinity Western, who are just two for eight. The Thunderbirds are nineteen for one all time against the Spartans, with the lone loss coming in twenty thirteen. After this series split, they are nine for three, fourth in Canada West.
2: Yeah, a bit lower record than they were at this point last year and I do have a, a theory as to why the Thunderbirds lost this game to Let's UfB. theorize. Let's theorize. I love these. Now, Lincoln Rosebush played... <sighs> Corey j- <laughs> might not like this theory, Jake. <laughs> he played just two minutes in this game against UFV. He had two Continue. points in those two minutes. Uh-huh. The Thunderbirds this season, when Rosebush plays less than five minutes, are 1-3. and three. When he plays five minutes or more, they are 8-0. I think there is some serious correlation here. Even further, the Thunderbirds are 9-0. and zero, When Rosebush has at least one field goal attempt, they're 0-3. When he does not. So you're saying there's credibility behind your fanboy? Yes. Your fanboy nature of Lincoln The more Rosebush plays, the more the Thunderbirds win. This is irrefutable <laughs> evidence.
0: <laughs> I really want to disagree with
3: him, but as we always say on this show, it's just stats. It's yeah. just it's, stats. Just, it's, it's stat. just stats. It's the same as we're us being nineteen and one all time against the Spartans. We're not saying that we're not, they're not gonna saying win, saying but anything. we're just saying
0: they are nineteen and one all exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Also,
2: Rosebush, his six points this past weekend all from the free throw line, he was six for six. He's now tied for first on the team in free throw percentage with Jaden Cohey at 83.5%. There you go. Rose shooter,
0: quite a figure in his own right.
2: Maybe and, some uh, fair
0: credibility on his end.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, Kevin Hansen, I know you're about to become the winningest coach in Canada West history, but I think some changes can be made. <laughs> All right. Play play Lincoln Moore. He deserves it. Uh, Moving on to the women's team. They won Game 1 76-74, escaping at the death as UFE missed two shots to win it right near the buzzer. Five Thunderbirds scored in double figures, led by Jessica Hansen, who notched 17 points. Surprisingly, Keelan Filowich was
3: tied for fourth on the team in points as she scored just 10 points on 4 of 7 shooting. She
0: also did add a game-high 10 rebounds and two
3: blocks, so still a fine day at the office for her.
0: Some other top scorers on that game were Haley Council. She had 14 points on 5 of 7 shooting. Meanwhile, Maddie Penn had 12 points in just 13 minutes off the bench. She's slowly working her way back on both the court and perhaps in the booth, Um, coming back from a back injury. Meanwhile, Gabby LaGuerta had 10 points of her own.
1: The Thunderbirds shot 39% from three, their second highest mark of the season. However, all of their threes, them, were hit by just Council and LaGuerta, who combined for five to ten from deep. Hansen and Penn were the only players to attempt a three, zero to three combined.
2: It's not great if all your shooting is coming from just a couple players, Hopefully they can get more than just four players even attempting threes. That'll help the spacing for this team a little bit. <laughs> right. Uh, game two is not as kind in, as the first one as UBC ended the first quarter down 29-13 to 13, and trailed by as many as 23 points in the first half. They cut that deficit to 10 heading into the fourth but were unable to make up any more ground and they lost the game in the end 77-62. to 62.
0: Back to Keelan Filowich. No surprise top the leaderboards for her Thunderbird side. She recorded her fourth straight double-double with 18 points, going 7 of 16 from the field. She also added in 14 rebounds with that. And, for good measure, she blocked two shots for the third straight game. Hansen also double-doubled with 18 points and 10 boards of her own. A more impressive feat for a shorter player out there on the court. Not as big either. Filowich oftentimes able to just out-muscle her way for the boards. Uh... But back to Hanson, she shot just 6 of 20, so along with those points came a lower field goal percentage.
4: Yeah, and the Thunderbirds shot just 29% from the field altogether. Besides Filowicz, LaGuerta was the only other player who shot better than 33%, scoring 9 points on 3 of 7 shooting, with all three of her makes coming from beyond the arc. No surprise there. We know she's a great uh, 3 shooter, but 33% shooting and 29 for the, the Thunderbirds altogether, that's I don't know. That's not the best, is it? Not too yeah. good. Well, not too at, good. You look at
3: Hanson's stat line as well. Whenever you have more shot attempts than points, that's always a, a always, bad indicator for yeah. those kind of things. So, uh, Another fun statistical nugget from this one. This was the first time this season the Thunderbirds lost a game while committing fewer than 20 turnovers. They committed only 13 and were previously 7-0 and when they were under that 20 mark.
2: Yeah, I feel like the shooting 29% from the field probably had a lot to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, so this loss actually snapped a six-game win streak that dated back to mid-November, and the Thunderbirds are now eight to four and fourth in Canada West. They will try and write this write the ship this weekend against three for seven Trinity Western, against whom the Thunderbirds are twenty-two for one all time.
0: Yeah, twenty-two and one against them all time. A really strong record. Again, it's just statistics. <laughs> just we're <that>. not <laughs> we're not saying what will happen.
4: We're just presenting to you what has happened in the past. Exactly. Right. Superstitious Nico is not coming back this year. Not a thing. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the world of hockey. It wasn't so much of a happy new year for the UBC hockey teams. Both teams had strong opponents waiting for them to kick off 2020, and neither team could record a win against the Dinos. Our rivals really sucks that neither of them could get anything done. Both teams were actually shut out in game one with the men losing 1-0 and the women losing 3-0. Game two saw the men record a point in the 3-2 shootout loss, while the women would surrender three goals yet again, losing 3-1. Game one was definitely a battle on the ice. We'll look at the men first. We'll look at game one. Game one was definitely a battle on the ice. Both teams had a really intense playoff atmosphere going. UBC took eight penalties, resulting in 24 total penalty minutes, including a Maxwell James 10-minute misconduct for hitting to the head. And then adding to that, as
0: you mentioned, playoff-like atmosphere was the stellar play of both goaltenders. Rylan Toth did everything he could to keep his team in the game and give them a chance to win. He actually stopped 34 shots on the day. Meanwhile, the opposition's Matthew Greenfield would make 27 saves of his own to earn his first shutout of the season.
3: It was a bit of a mixed bag in special teams for the Thunderbirds. They did manage to go five for five on the penalty kill, but failed to convert on three power play chances.
2: Yeah, the lone goal of the game came eleven thirty-five mark of the first period. Defensive zone turnover led to a three on one for those blasted Calgary Dinos who we keep running up against in every single sport and they keep managing to just beat us or in this case except for women's soccer when we won the national That's championship true. that was pretty that cool true. hey so <laughs> I guess when
0: it really matters when it really we're matters. coming through yeah <laughs> just
2: wait for the playoffs and all these other sports fortunately in this game Bradley Schoenbart recorded the game winning goal in that first period on that three-on-one
4: Tough loss for the men, but looking at Game 2, Game 2 was very similar to Game 1 in the sense that the physicality aspect returned, this time with 40 total penalty minutes. Among the penalties were two 10-minute misconducts, assessed to Brett Clayton and Kyle Becker, and a spearing double minor, assessed to Luke Harrison.
1: And it was a shorthanded goal that kicked off the scoring, with Canada West points leader Matt O'Farrell beating Toth on a breakaway. He now has 13 goals and 14 assists for 27 points, in just 18 games
4: played. And just to kind of put that into perspective, me and Jacob were talking about this before we came on air. That is very, very good. What What is that points per game-wise? It's got to be, what, 1.2, 1.3? Uh, my
0: so-so math skills tell me around 1.3, yeah. One yeah, three, it's, right? it's
3: 1.333.
0: Yeah, okay. that's exactly That's, that's ridiculous. Right, really high. I mean, best in NHL are usually just above one, so.
4: Yeah, right around there, So or maybe a bit higher. Also, you guys
2: are both wrong. It's exactly 1.5. 1.5. Yeah. Well, there you go. He's right. <laughs> Jake's a lot Bang better you. at math. Thank <laughs> you for
0: being the uh, studious mathematician in the room. We appreciate it. <laughs> Meanwhile, UBC finally did have some luck on the power play early in the third when Austin Glover converted to tie the game again. No other goals were scored, and the game headed to 4-on-4 four four in overtime and remained scoreless, so a three-on-three overtime was also needed. There, the Thunderbirds had two power plays totaling over three minutes, and they still couldn't convert, so they almost handed this game after a bunch of chances for them to the opposition.
1: Yeah, and then Jordan Xavier scored the shootout winner for the dinos, giving them seven consecutive wins and unfortunately giving the T Birds their
4: sixth loss in a row. And just to kinda put into perspective of how we got there, we the UBC Thunderbirds did manage to score off a very lucky bounce when Matt Re- Matt Revel had a pass deflect into the net via two Calgary sticks, I think, off the goaltender, off a defenseman stick. So yeah, it was it was a goal, but um it wasn't necessarily the
0: best goal. <laughs> And I was slightly off on that uh, points per game in the NHL. I mean, there's a couple big standouts with like Gretzky, 1.9. I mean, but
4: still, the greats are around what we were thinking about 1.3, 1.4. Right. And that'll be all for the men. Let's look at the women now. Before we get into the women's team, it is worth mentioning that coming into their first game post-winter break, the women's side had not scored since November 22nd against Mount Royal. And unfortunately, though it was a new decade, they would have to wait just a tad longer
3: to break that shutout streak with Game 1 of the series going Calgary's way in a 3-0
2: win. Yeah, Tori Mclash she only faced 11 shots in the first 40 minutes. She only managed to stop 9 of them, sporting a safe percentage of eight eighteen, which is very uncharacteristic for her. She was then replaced by Reese Hiddleston, who came in to play the third period. She stopped all 4 shots that she faced.
1: It was a two-goal second period that propelled the Dinos to victory as Jordan Berger scored off a tip for her first of the season, followed by a Lane Grace power play goal.
4: Uh, Speaking of the power play, UBC had four power play opportunities but could not solve Kelsey Roberts, who made 15 saves for the win and the shutout. Sarah Craven would score an empty netter with one second left to play at the 1959 mark, to reach the final scoreline of 3-0 always really hurts when there's one second left and there's one more goal that goes in. Tough.
2: Yeah, also only 30 shots combined for the two teams in that game. That's quite a lot of neutral zone hockey being played. That could almost right be like there. a
0: high shot attempt soccer match going
2: on. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In Game 2, Thunderbirds finally, they finally broke the goal-scoring drought when Shenrit Bassi found the back of the net, 14:44 mark of the second period. The only bad thing is that that goal came after the Dinos had already scored three, so ended up not meaning a ton. Elizabeth Lang scored two in the first period for the Dinos, one of them coming on the power play. Kara Mackuk extended that lead to three early in the second period before the Thunderbirds finally got on the board on the weekend and in the new year.
0: And as a testament to it's not the shot amount that you take, but it's the shot quality. The Thunderbirds actually outshot their opponents 26-16 to 16. Kelsey Roberts played well once again. She stopped 25 of the 26 shots she faced. So maybe it's UBC needs better looks, not just wild flails towards the net.
3: <laughs> In the UBC goal on the opposite end, it was Reese Hiddleston actually making her first start at the university level, giving uh, Tori McLash a little bit of a night off. She performed well under the circumstances and hopefully will
1: get her first win soon. So both the men's and the women's team take on Regina next. And a quick reminder to buy your tickets for the UBC Winter Classic on January 17th between the T-Birds and the
2: Bisons. Winter Classic, always a lot of fun. One of the best events on the Thunderbirds calendar. So definitely go to that if you can.
0: Yeah, definitely come out. We're going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Then we'll come back to you with a bit of a look ahead for volleyball and some other spring sports here on Thunderbird Eye
4: disability, mental health,
2: ADHD, and ADD,
3: and many, many more topics we explore and cover. But where? On, on All Access Pass. A unique and collectively run show on equity, inclusion, and creating awareness for people of all abilities in BC and around the world.
1: Catch us every other Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4.
3: If you want more info or want to get involved, please find us on Facebook or send us an email at accessibilitycollective at citr.ca. Come in, Gray Badger, begin your report ever. Come in, Gray Badger, begin your report ever. Come in, Gray Badger, begin your report ever. Come in, Grey Badger, begin your report. On Friday, January 17th, CITR 101.9 FM presents our annual 24 hours of radio art programming.
4: We don't go too far. None of us will go too far. Maybe sometimes we went too far,
3: but now we won't because we're real nice guys. It's a full day of spoken word, drone, field recordings, sound collage, thunderphonics, robocalls, voicemail fails, sound art, and noise. CITR's 24 Hours of Radio Art, January 17th. Listen live or online at citr.ca. der,
2: ist die
4: eines Jesus, der wird, zu richten lebende und Tote.
1: Heilige
2: Maria, Heilige Maria.
1: Heilige Maria, Mutter der Gnade.
3: Welcome back to Thunderbird Eye here on CITR. We're now going to take a look forward at some volleyball. Neither UBC team was in action this past weekend as they prep for their trip to Edmonton and dates with the McEwen Griffins. Still, we thought we'd take a couple minutes to look forward with regards to the squads as the Canada West playoffs begin to loom. For the women, it's been an up-and-down campaign so far, with three consecutive losses to close out 2019, putting the team at 6-6 six and six and 7th
2: in Canada West. Yeah, the good news for the women's team, they have a pretty soft schedule to close. They play all three teams that are currently in a tie for last in Canada West. That's Manitoba, Regina, and Brandon. Those three teams are all 2-12. and 12. UBC is going to play all of them over the next few weeks, so that'll hopefully solidify their playoff positioning there if they're able to just take care of the teams below them in the standings.
0: That being said, they do have a series against the almighty Trinity Western Spartans coming at the end of the month as well, but hopefully the home court advantage will treat them kindly. They've always had good matches against them historically, at least since we, Jake and I, have been here. Um, so it's definitely going to be a game that if you're in the neighborhood, you should come out and watch. Very high intensity on both the women's and men's side.
1: And fortunately, more good news is coming in the form of returning players, as a couple of key cogs from last year's championship unit are set to reappear. Tessa Davis has completed her semester abroad and should be back with the team, while Liv Ferlin, who missed the entire first semester with a foot injury, will hopefully be back soon.
4: Yeah, and for a team trying to handle so many key absences, it has been Gabby Atea and Kayla Oxland who have stepped up to the plate. Atea's 154 kills lead the team and her 3.67 per set are third best in Canada West. Oxland, taking over Furland's setting role, is third in Canada West with 9.52 assists per set.
3: Unfortunately, as a team, the Thunderbirds have struggled in a number of major statistical categories. They are third last in the conference in hitting percentage, digs per set, and blocks per set. Those trends will need to reverse if this team is to make another deep U-sports run come later in the spring. And
0: coming up this weekend for the Thunderbirds, McEwen is 9-5 and five and 5th in Canada West on the women's side. UBC will play in the late afternoon on Friday and Saturday out in uh, Calgary, I believe. Is where Edmonton. Ma- Edmonton is where McEwen is. Alberta. Alberta, yeah. you know, the other,
3: the other province. Same sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fortunes have been more favorable for the Thunderbird men's team as they rode an eight-game win streak into the holiday break. After they were stumbling a little bit at the start of the season, they've now rebounded to a 9-3 record and bronze position on the Canada West table.
2: Yeah, they've got five series remaining in the regular season. They'll be matching up against all kinds of opposition. Two of their opponents, McEwen and UBCO, are a combined 2-20, which is... Not great, but then at the <laughs> other end of the spectrum, they will be playing both Brandon and Trinity Western, who are both 11-1, and 1. so you're going to get really the very best and the very worst of Canada West between now and the start of the playoffs, but the good news is that while those games against the lower-ranked opposition are on the road, they take on both the Spartans and the Brandon Bobcats here at home, so I, hopefully you get an advantage. I
0: will say, though, the one thing that scares me when you're playing a huge range of opponents... It's not that you're necessarily playing down, but you might almost get accustomed to a certain level, and then you have to come back and play a team like Brandon or Trinity Western. Maybe it's a vice versa situation. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe they'll be playing up crazy against uh, McEwen and UBC Okanagan. Absolutely smoke and just destroy them. But I really, generally, you play somewhat better than the opponent, right? Even if you're a really good team. But blow, like straight blowouts would be unlikely in my mind, and maybe that might lead to a little worse play against those really good opponents. But yeah. well, we'll
4: see. Just to put into perspective about how good TWU has been this year, I was looking at it earlier before we came on air. They've lost twice between both of their teams all season. In sets or in matches? Losses in general.
0: Losses in general. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. women
4: the women have lost once, the men have lost once. Yeah. That's Pretty crazy. The insane. team
0: the team is very the program is very, very I don't know. They, they groom their players more or less. They're coming in knowing that it's the best volleyball program. I'm not saying there's anything weird <laughs> happening from <laughs> high school. That's not what my intention is. Dropping
2: bags over in Langley. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: but what I'm saying is that they clearly are known as the volleyball school. Right. So that definitely helps when you're getting those players late in high school, like, hmm, where should I go play? It's generally either going to be UBC or Trinity Western. Yeah. For those who want that kind of uh, college lifestyle, they go over to Trinity Western and. They play well. That's what they do. Uh, for the Thunderbirds, though, Matt Neves and Michael Dalhaniak will look to continue their strong play as the games get more tense. Neves' 141 kills are fifth in the conference. Meanwhile, Dalhaniak's 353 hitting percentage is sitting at fourth.
1: And Colton Liu is also having an impressive season, particularly from the service line, where he sit, where he leads the conference with 0.91 aces per set while Trinity Western's Jesse Elser, who sits in second, is averaging only 0.67.
0: The only is with a bit of an asterisk. That's still quite, quite yeah. good. <laughs> only. Only, right. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> We're just emphasizing the
3: gap between those two right. players. Go yeah. UBC. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: Thunderbird superiority. <laughs> we'll say it for the last
3: time. It's just stats, folks. It's stats. That's what it is. Uh, offensively, UBC is a juggernaut in general. They lead the conference in aces per set, are second in kills and assists per set, and fourth in hitting percentage. If there are to be areas of improvement, it should be defensively, as UBC is a mediocre seventh in blocking average and tenth in digs per set.
2: Well, I mean, if we learned anything from the women's team, women's volleyball team from last year, is that you can win with a mediocre defense if you have that elite offense with the men's team looks like they might have something close to that which is good and i
0: think volleyball is a bit of a a rare sport in that sense where oftentimes if you just have a mediocre defense it's not going to go that well you look to i don't know leagues like the nhl the mlb it's just not going to happen even the nfl volleyball if you have that good of offense you can almost get away with it in a way at least in canada west um but i guess we'll get to see how it goes against McEwen this upcoming friday and saturday
2: Yeah, given McEwen's record, do you hope that they can continue that winning streak heading into the the more highly touted matches against Trinity Western and Brandon?
0: And from volleyball, which was a bit of a preview, we're going to look in a general sense at what's coming up in springtime. It's currently the beginning of 2020, the dawn of a new decade, and it comes with a slew of new sports seasons here at UBC. Meanwhile, the golf season did begin back in September for the school year. Things were put on hold for November and the cold winter weather, but come late January, things will get back underway for them. On the other hand, swimming will look to continue its unparalleled dominance at the U-Sports Championships in February, and track and field, softball, and baseball will all be getting underway for their spring seasons in very short order.
3: Yeah, golf has started their season out really, really strong. Out of five events on the men's side, they currently have two first-place finishes, one second-place outcome, and two sixth-place end results. Meanwhile, the women's side, we talk about them all the time. They've taken part in four invitationals and have an astounding three first-place finishes and one 11th-place finish. Look for both the women and men to show out in the warmer weather and put up very competitive and potentially winning rounds at the CCC Conference, the NAIA, and the College Championships for Canada in May.
1: And back in the pool, the UBC swim team has only come in second in one event this entire year. Every other time, they have finished with the gold. They are three-time defending men's and women's national champions. And our own Marcus Thormeyer was named Swimming Canada's Male Swimmer of the Year for 2019. He's had quite the year last year. And they will look to continue their dominance in the U Sports Championships at the end of February, but have three meets before then to prepare.
2: After taking first last year at the NAIA track and field championships for both men's and women's, our track and field teams will be gearing up for another strong season, hopefully that begins on February 1st at the Richmond Olympic Oval here in BC.
0: And besides track and field, the two sports of softball and baseball are getting underway. On the women's side, softball had a really down season last year. They finished actually with 15 straight losses to put them at 12 and 27 on the season you get rid of that losing streak, though, they're a 500 team. So I don't don't (laughs) think you can
2: just get rid of 15 losses. But what I'm saying is, there was
0: a clear mental aspect to it. If they were 12 and 12 up to that point in time, that was that was the silver lining on my Mm -hmm. end. They went just eight and 18 in conference. Although they had players like Maya Valk and Claire Eccles who helped lead the team offensively, they need a more distributed approach if they want to advance into the playoffs. At least from offense, they have some pitching, but. Adding an arm or two couldn't hurt us either.
4: Right? And looking at baseball now, on the other hand, they had a good showing going 30 and 22 overall with a 22 and 9 conference record. They ended up losing to the Antelope Valley Pioneers, great name, in the California Pacific Championship Conference final six to three, and advanced to a third game in the NAIA tournament, where they won one and dropped two. While their ace has been drafted to the Minnesota Twins, Niall Windler, they still End have of the a show. Friend of the show with Jackson Volk. Yes. Check out that interview if you haven't done so already. Um, While he was drafted to the Minnesota Twins, they still have enough staff and bats to continue their strong play. And then besides
0: what's coming up, we do have some playoffs.
4: Playoffs. You talking
0: about playoffs? We talking about playoffs. In our near future for the three sports that are currently underway, that's basketball, volleyball, and hockey.
2: Yeah, men's hockey team not looking great at the moment, barely clinging on to the sixth lead and the final playoff spot in the Canada West standings. They have two very big series coming up that could determine whether or not they actually make the playoffs. They take on Regina this coming weekend, who are in eighth but only two points back of UBC. And then they take on Lethbridge at the end of the month, and they only trail UBC by one point at the moment. Yeah, the UBC
3: women's hockey team have fallen to fifth in Canada West standings. And while they should still make the playoffs with that position, they have now lost six in a row. So that sort of momentum does not sound very favorable. It also doesn't help that goal scoring has been a major problem as of late, as we discussed. Though they did break that goalless streak in their yeah. most recent yeah. game. One. One, <laughs> one <laughs> is better than none. You need one before you can get any number more than that. That's true.
1: <laughs> and then the men's basketball team currently sit at fourth in the Canada West standings. We know that they have, a, they have the talent to compete in Canada West, but starting guard Mason Borsier has not played at all this season, and Calgary still looms large at 10 for zero and have won 43 straight conference games.
2: I'm very annoyed at Calgary. Like, can they can they just lose? It's been almost two calendar stop years. Stop being such a dominant men's basketball program <laughs> please, over the past couple of years. Please stop.
4: And let our UBC women's hockey team score a goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says
2: the hockey head. Yeah. Please and thank you, Calgary. Uh the women's basketball team also has to deal with not one but two undefeated teams in Canada West, and both as both Saskatchewan and Calgary are 10 and 0. Dinos combined 20 and 0 across their men's and women's basketball not, teams. Not too shabby. Not too shabby right there. The Thunderbirds women's basketball team's biggest strength was probably come in the form of the return from injury for Maddie Penn and the continued dominant play of Keelan Filowich. And if they are going to succeed and make it further in the playoffs than they have the last couple of years, both of them are going to play very big roles.
0: And we are hoping to have Maddie Penn return to the air a bit more frequently. She is busy as a uh, student athlete, but this showtime does work out for her. So we're hoping to have her on air for the live shows a bit more. Looking briefly at volleyball as we touched on it already, the teams look poised to make a solid playoff run, but their biggest obstacle will be Trinity Western, as we mentioned. Both their men's and women's teams uh for the Spartans have only lost twice, once each this entire season. If they want any sort of sniff at nationals, it's gonna have they're gonna have to come up with a solution for that Trinity Western, high-powered offense, which we know in volleyball can win you championships.
4: And, Jacob, I think earlier in the year you were telling me that their hitting percentage is something absolutely ridiculous. Is that still still happening? Yeah, well, they
0: had, I think, a big three on the men's side where basically those three were getting the ball fed to them at such a ridiculous rate that their team's hitting percentage was above 400 yeah for like five matches which is better than the best players on most teams
2: yeah i'm not sure if it's still the case but i know right near the uh, right before winter break they had three of the top five individuals in hitting percentage in the entire conference on the same team
0: lepke being the main contributor for them on offense but there's It's really a three-headed beast that you have to deal with, which is like,
2: how do you do that? Well, I guess we'll see in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how that one plays out. We'll figure it out
0: eventually. But that's what's coming up in spring sports. So three teams pushing for playoffs and baseball, softball, golf, swimming, all set to get either back underway or starting new seasons.
2: And looking specifically just at this week... On Thursday, a bit of an odd time to play for the basketball team. The men's basketball team is taking on Trinity Western here at home. Then on Friday, the women's basketball team also taking on the Spartans. Volleyball, as we mentioned, headed to McEwen. Women's hockey playing at home against Regina while the men's are on the road. And then on Saturday, rematch of all the games from the previous night. Plus, the men's basketball team have their second match against Trinity Western after a day off, which does not usually happen in Canada West that you have a day in between two games against the same team.
0: Yeah, they, they had to change the schedule. I know UBC kind of got stuck with what I would call probably one of the less impressive schedules in terms of, like, how their games were spaced out this year. We started late, so I think we're getting kind of the uh, the leftovers here come term two. But with that, unless there's anything else coming up... No, that's it. That's All the it other sports the are in hibernation. That's it for us then here this week. Thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC, Thunderbird's news, standings, and stories is going and following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. We've been recently collaborating with the UBC. We hope to have more of those video interviews up for you in the near future. And this is our new time, so make sure you keep checking in on tu- at Tuesdays um, between 1 and 1.30 p.m. We might go a little longer as we have today. Next up on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2 p.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Corey, Nico, Alan, and Byron Wang. We'll catch you next week at this new time. And remember to check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.